This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate. You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very you might not be glad that you did it. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast and resource devoted to the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol. My name is Jesse Aiken. I am joined by my co-host and good friend, Chris Bruffett. What's going on, Chris? Man, Jesse, I'm just so excited to get into this episode today. We got a lot to talk about. So much to talk about, and you have no idea how excited I am. We are... (laughs) At my favorite superhero of all time, I guess that's the thing I can big say. Time. That's that's a big thing to say, a big claim, but it is. Um, today we're in Spider Man. It's very exciting. But before we get to Spider Man, Chris, like anything been going on lately with you with the game? Just continuing to try to get everything painted, everything yep. ready, planning some boards. Yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed our segment last week, just talking about yeah our future boards and our paint schemes and just what we want to do with the game to try to get some community days set up to try to get some more local players and uh you that's know, a new venture we're doing right? the the players here uh around tulsa to you know be showing up to the same place and Whew. know each other a little bit so yeah get new players into the game i've been talking with some people who are interested in it, chris but who have not bought it yet because um, they want to give it a shot so maybe we can get some demo stuff going at a store or just a little fun tournament I'm hoping we can get some of that set up at our local store and just, you know, teach people the game. But we got to finish those boards because we got to finish that hobbying. Pretty paramount to getting people in. It really is. It helps. Yeah. And if you guys have stuck with us thus far, you've caught us on twitch.tv slash Furious Finest and caught our streams. Thanks for popping in. Hope you guys enjoy those. We continue to get better, not only at streaming, but just playing the game. Because obviously, the more we play the game, the better we get at (laughs) presenting it to you guys in an entertaining format like streaming or even future battle reports like we have planned on Patreon. It's just so much, Chris. It's so much to run the stream, the tech, you know, the music, chat, and also play and also learn all these interactions with these players. Because you've mentioned it a lot before, Chris, but just... Every time we play, we pick up on a new interaction of different characters, like a MOBA or something. It's true. Kind of like you mentioned in last episode, Crossbones, like Crossbones with Avengers. What's that like? How does he perform? How's it different? And then Crossbones with Avengers and Cap versus whatever. See what I mean? Like those interactions are different. But today we got to talk about Spider-Man, who is a whole nother thing in himself because a lot to talk about oh man there's so much lore which is great um there's a reason he's one of the most popular and most loved superheroes of all time also a lot on his films and also a lot in his strategy because a lot he is completely different than a lot of the heroes we've talked about so far because he's less straightforward he doesn't seem as easy to grasp initially like some of the other heroes so i'm really excited about today <laughs> Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy this show, consider supporting it with a monthly contribution. We thank all of our patrons for their support. No new patrons to announce this week, but we really, really want to thank our current patrons thank from you. the bottom of our cobwebbed hearts. Cobwebbed web slinger hearts. We appreciate what you guys are doing. Choosing to be part of this opt-in monthly subscription by giving us a couple bucks. 
you're making things happen in the future with Fury's Finest. We have a lot of plans, as we've alluded to. It really, really does mean the world to us, guys. It's very humbling. So humble, so grateful. Thank you, patrons. Chris, let's jump into the lore. Oh, great. So, Chris, we're in lore. We're talking about my favorite character. So who is this character, Spider-Man? Jesse, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Spider-Man is Peter Parker. He is a scientific whiz kid, an orphan, a nephew. He is a spider totem. He's a business magnate, scientific genius, all-around good guy. He is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. You forgot Snarky. That's a central part of him, That's true. He'll get there. He has a mouth. He is probably the snarkiest morally good guy we've ever seen okay if, i was gonna say deadpool's the smarkiest no snarkiest morally good guy seen. that's what makes it interesting he's very captain america but he's also very snarky i mean he's got some of those deadpool yeah. elements you're talking deadpool's about that's a good point morally fluid yeah and i would argue spider-man's that, not i would argue that deadpool has spider-man elements <laughs> he definitely does so let's talk about his first appearance in comics before we get into his history because his history is long and rich so this is probably one of the most well-known, I think, first appearances, Chris. And we alluded to this in past episodes where we talked about when characters are debuted not with their initial comic of the character, but in some sort of annual or some sort of right. collaborative effort. And it's it's an interesting story behind this one, too. Spider-Man first appeared in the anthology comic book Amazing Fantasy 15, and that was in August 1962. And that's that iconic cover I think that most people know Back in these days, we got the Vulture and Spider-Man battling it out in a free fall state of sorts. Yeah, just iconic to pop culture. Let's just talk about that. And Spider-Man just is. He is iconic, period. He was created by Stan Lee and artist Steve Ditko. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Everybody knows that. The interesting thing is Stan had been trying to get the okay to debut this character for a while and he didn't get the final okay until Amazing Fantasy 15. And that was because it was the last issue that was going to be printed of Amazing Fantasy That's so 15. wild. It's so cool. Uh, it was, it's a dead book anyway, dead title. We'll let you try something. And then the world was forever changed. Forever changed. Forever changed with one of the most, if not the most popular superhero post the 60s. And this is kind of a thing where it's like, Glad people took chances on Stanley. Every time he took a chance, me too. <laughs> I'm glad somebody let him do it. It's- now you can split hairs, and we can argue legacy, and we can argue sure. who really created this, who really created that. That's but a different s- podcast. That's that's a different <laughs> series of podcasts. But Stan was involved in all of these legendary characters on the Marvel side. So let's not split hairs too much. He was around. He helped make each of these happen. So let's just let's just roll with it for our purposes. Yeah. So that was his introduction to the world, and then from that moment onward, Chris, essentially, he became a major, major superhero. So it's really strange to think about some of these heroes. They initially appeared, and some of them didn't take off right away. Most of the ones we've talked about on our show have. There's a reason they're in this corset. Not right. all, but most. Spider-Man is probably one of the most pronounced cases of this because basically the mid 60s onward, he has always been a mainstay in comics and popular culture. And that's something we can't necessarily say about everybody. Certainly not Iron Man. Iron Man has been around for comic book fans, but not for the rest of the world per se. And just, I don't know, he's an interesting exploration in that way because he is by far one of the most recognizable and iconic when it comes to just the history of our world. So that's what's pretty interesting. So, if you're listening to the show, I guarantee you know Spider-Man's origin story. We've seen it right. a thousand times. We've seen it in comics. We've seen it in cartoons. We've seen it in the movies a billion We've times. We've seen it in the oh movies. I love it. It's a basic superhero story. The design of him, I think, is what resounds so much. Well, He's bitten by a radioactive spider. That's how it initially starts. Right. But you've got this really smart kid initially. That's a big part of it. That's really the difference between Spider-Man and most characters created in the 60s is that he was a teenager. And he wasn't, a big just, deal. he wasn't just a teenager. He wasn't a sidekick. He was the star. He was the superhero. Yeah. And that is really what led to Spider-Man's success was the fact that he was in the 60s 
he is a high school student. He is struggling to help his Aunt May with rent. Yeah. He is struggling with bullies. He is struggling with a romantic life and dating. Yeah. On top of being a superhero and trying to keep his secret identity, he's a teenager. Yeah. And that is super appealing at the time because no one else is doing this. Every other kid in comic books is a sidekick to an adult. Your Robins, your Superboys, your Buckies, your yeah, you name it. Well, and Spider Man in particular, Chris was really young. Like a lot of people, I think, think of him older because some of the movie portrayals of him, he's been a little older. It's another interesting thing. He's not a senior in high school or a freshman in college. He's always much younger than that. Well, not always. That's what's interesting. He ages with the comics. That is not normal for pretty cool for pulp characters especially pulp characters that have been around since the 60s yeah especially the 60s see him as a high schooler <laughs> that's what led to he was a surprising his top fame. seller yeah his that's fame. that's what led to it so he keeps going he gets his own book the amazing spider-man oh in yeah 70s see peter graduate from high school yep begin college he sees him lose his girlfriend gwen stacy mm-hmm. in a tragic accident Tragic. Fighting with the Green Goblin. Different in every universe. In the Ultimate Universe, Carnage murders her. Right. There's some really good stuff where they keep that sort of skeleton the same. They change some they things. They change the actors. I yep. love it. But the story, the tenets of the story stay the same. Yeah. The 70s also see him begin his iconic relationship with Mary Jane Watson. That's right. Unfortunately for Peter, she says no. <laughs> to to his uh, proposal in the 70s. Something they've explored in the movies as well. Um, right. In the 80s, we see Peter retire, and then we discover the black costume. He wears the symbiote for four years in the comic. That's the black right. costume. And finally breaks free from it, and he brings Venom into the Marvel family. So now, Chris, we're in the 80s, and we have another one of the most iconic characters in comic book history, certainly in Spider-Man history. Oh, yeah. And we have this really cool formation. I think it's half the reason I love Venom so much that there was this period of time where Spider-Man was plagued by the symbiote. He was a different right. Spider-Man. And then he breaks free from it, like all moral compass good guys do. And then the symbiote finds a new host and becomes actually the character of Venom. Because Black Suit Spider-Man is not Venom. Right. It's influenced Dark Side Spider-Man, vigilante type Dark Side Spider-Man. But then we get Eddie Brock infected by that. And I cannot wait to get to our Venom content in the future. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. Just think about like how interesting this is in the scheme of our world, these events that we know so well on Spider-Man that I feel like we know from a very young age, Chris, you and I being born in the eighties, like I knew all this when I was super young. Sure. So like this was even in the mid eighties, early nineties, he's a cultural icon. It was known by everyone in my circles that, you know, showed me him. Right. Um, My dad was a huge fan and all this stuff. So I have a lot of spiritual connection to this. And then of course, when Venom is his own thing, Venom has his own lines, and that's a whole nother thing. But his own lore, his own everything. Yeah, the the Spider Family is symbiote homeworld. Very interesting, Whew. and it, it reminds me, it, you know, the direct parallels the Bat Family in DC. Yeah, the Spider Family being a little bit more wacky and sure. a little bit more lighthearted, but they are very similar. To show you what a cultural icon Spider Man was, MJ finally says yes. To Peter's proposal in the uh-huh. 80s, they have a literal wedding at Shea Stadium <laughs> uh, with with Peter and MJ being played by actors and Stanley officiating the wedding. A literal wedding. That's so cool. Like, this For is comic so wild. book characters. Yeah. You're not going to get that today. Cultural icon. They were way above their time in the 80s. This is like some sort of MMO sort of wedding or that something. Is some, that's some wild stuff. Crazy. Then the 90s, this is where things get interesting. Before we jump into like the clone saga, I feel like, Chris, this is a lot of our history with Spider-Man growing up. The late 60s cartoon and the 90s cartoon and things mm-hmm. like that were everywhere. The 90s everywhere. cartoon was raised me. Yeah. So thank you for Disney Plus bringing that back. Right. Spider-Man got even bigger in a weird way because this 90s cartoon was huge. So much so that it went into spinoffs and other Spider-Man 90s cartoons right. that led into the 2000s. But I feel like that is worth noting because that is a huge way that a lot of people got into Spider-Man, I think. Right. Was that early 90s, mid-90s That's cartoon. how I got into Spider-Man. With the Clone Saga now in the 90s, the Spider-Family grows with Scarlet Spider coming into play. And, you know, once again, we have Mary Jane and Peter having ebbs and flow with the relationship. That's a constant with Peter. You, it's comic books. It's pulp characters. Yeah. 
Peter has to go back to the status quo of being a sad sack. Yeah. And little having from time balancing to time. personal life with superhero life. But once again, because he does keep his identity secret, it's very important to him. Of course, he he blows that at one point, but we retcon it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Like we do in comics a lot. Just keeps oh. it in the main story. Ignore right. that side stuff that didn't matter. So the 90s, I mean, they are eventful uh, for him culturally. Comic book wise, you know, the Clone Saga is huge. Well, and that's interesting, Chris. You're right. Like comic book wise, it's less, but, but I feel like everything less, yeah. else, the cartoons, the action figures, everything pulled from that 60s to 90s, 30 year gap. Right. And they kind of rehashed a lot of stuff, um, reimagined it, and made right. him just even bigger than he ever was. Well, and we got Spider Man Unlimited. We got yeah. Spider Man 2099. Yeah. We got the Scarlet Spider. Oh, my gosh. You yeah. know, Venom gets his own, his own books. We get Carnage. We get. I know. We get the Symbiote Sagas. I think they're more late 80s, but. Yeah, still. Um, a lot of it's, that. It's in that. It's in this time period. But it's in popular culture at this point. Yeah, I mean, right. I'm sure if you ask someone in the early to mid 90s or even late 90s, like, you show them some of the Sinister Six or some of the Spider Man villains. Right. They can name them. And these are people who are not big comic book fans. And Spider Man has the most iconic villains of any Marvel character. Yeah, the best rogues gallery. Usually DC has the better rogues. <laughs> Usually. But Spider Man's are really good. He can kind of rival some of the DC rogues. Oh, he rogues. can. I mean, think about it. We've got Rhino, Mysterio, Shocker, Green Goblin, Lizard. Hobgoblin, Lizard. Ooh. The list goes on. Then Sandman. going to the symbiotes. Yeah. Wow. The list goes on. The list goes Carnage, on. Carnage, Venom. Kingpin. King. Oh, my gosh. Fisk, Kingpin. You know, Fisk. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is he a Daredevil villain or a Spider-Man villain? <laughs> I, I don't know. know. Right? We yeah. could, we could argue He's kind of interchangeable these days, is. which is super cool. I, I love that choice that made. Yeah. Great villain. Great mastermind behind getting all the villains together in a Nick Fury type way. So- Let's talk about the 2000s, Chris. Tell me about that. Well, the 2000s are going to see Peter now employed as a teacher at his old high school. So this is going to set up my favorite personal spider story. He's going to meet a character named Ezekiel, an enigmatic character at that. <laughs> Ezekiel possesses similar spider powers to Peter and suggests that it is not just chance mm. that brings these spider powers to Peter and brings into play the idea of spider totems in different realities. Right. This is the first mention or even just view into the spider verse, which is something that's going to be explored all through the next 20 years, Chris. Right. A lot. It is in the two thousands that aunt may discovers her nephew is Spider-Man, which leads to a new openness in their relationship. It's a different relationship. I would argue is the Canon relationship. Now this is the way I see it. It just doesn't make sense that he's hiding it from her for that long. That long. Yep. Parker and MJ reconcile. This is going to happen. They're going to marry. They're going to they're going to get divorced. They're going to split. They're going to reconcile. They're going to split. It's sure. just going to keep happening. Also, he finds out that Gwen Stacy had two children with his friend Norman. Wow, Norman Osborn. Norman Osborn of the son Osborn of Corp. the Green Goblin. Oscorp, yeah. This is um, pretty wild stuff. Chris, at this point, this is where Spider-Man kind of kicks into overdrive because keep in mind, we'll talk about this in a minute, but this is where the films come out. Right. So so then Spider-Man becomes once again, super popular, if not more popular in the modern culture. And this is where the Spider-Man one, two, and three by Sam Raimi come out. And then this kind of like springboards Spider-Man to be a major feature in a lot of the crossover comics. Right. Avengers, notably. Notably. He's going to join the Avengers. So it seems like every character we mentioned, they have a part to play in Civil War. Yeah. Parker is no different. Parker moves into Stark Tower with mm-hmm. with MJ, with Aunt May. He initially sides with Tony in the um, Civil War registration things. That's and right. Goes back on that. After seeing what all the toll is. What's wild is he reveals his identity in that. To the world. To the world, which is something they're going to start exploring in a lot of, I think, the future MCU stuff. Right. Probably, so. And then in uh, 2006, Aunt May is critically wounded by a sniper, enters a coma. Parker, Whoa. desperate to save her, exhausts all possibilities and makes a pact with the demon Mephisto. Whoa. One of my favorite Marvel villains. So the Diablo villain, the Diablo. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mephisto. Uh, Mephisto saves Aunt May's life this in exchange so for Parker and Watson, Watson agreeing to have their marriage and all memory of it erased. So once again, we so have another what do you know? 
They're split again. But not only does that do that, but this retcons yeah. Peter revealing his identity. Yeah. So suddenly the world does not remember Peter revealing himself as Spider-Man. Sure. Just as he and Mary Jane do not remember being happily married. Man. So at this point too, Chris, Spider-Man appears in a lot of crossovers. He appears in, you know, which I just read, Age of Ultron, a lot of these issues that are further in the Marvel timeline where he's fully grown, you know, he's a fully grown adult, <laughs> all these sort of things. And he gets pulled back time and time again, helping the good guys for the good fight. You know, Peter's been busy, really busy in the 2010s, but that is just the beginning of it because, you know, at this point, the Spider-Verse has been opened up and now all these offshoots, which we'll of course go into in the future with other Spider-Verse characters. But now all the Spider-Verse stuff has been fully opened, uh, 2010s onward. Oh, yeah. We got Spider-Gwen, you know, the ghost spider. We have Miles Morales. Morales. We got all this good stuff. We have two (laughs) Scarlet Spiders running around. We got crazy stuff like, oh, my gosh, anything on the Spider-Verse film. We got Spider-Pig and Spider-Noir. All this stuff, it's all been opened and the floodgates are, are the floodgates are definitely open. Um, it's amazing. We're getting some of the best cosplay of Spider-Man we've ever had now because we're so getting cool. so many different suits, so many different right. characters, and people from different backgrounds who are different characters playing Spider-Man because that's the universe now. Spider-Man twenty nine nine, like you talked about. Um, oh, I lo- I love I love wow. Spider-Man twenty nine nine. I do too. Um, they're revitalizing that as I a new know, show. I'm excited. So wild. We obviously can't with Spider-Man go into everything. Everything. This is just an overarching story because there's so much, Chris. This is barely a scratch on all the surface, guys. Do not take this as, yeah, do not take this as 100% definitive history. One, it's like bizarre because we talked about he's the one superhero in Marvel, especially because, you know, Superman and Batman are part of this as well, where it's like, if you just took the comics out, we'd still be here all day. Absolutely. With everything he's involved in in media and culture and pop culture. He is part of just the United States. Like he is a similar to Star Wars or Coca-Cola or all these sort of things that are just parts of people's lives for so long and multi-generational. He is that. So if we, if we didn't even go over the comic material, we just went over his influence and everything else. Just say cartoons. We'd be here all day and films and just how popular he is. People love him that don't even know his story. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because he's iconic. He is, you know, we talked about a great guy and his wit and his charm and his intelligence paired with his emotional dips where he has these big, we talked about downfalls in his life where he has to, he takes it all in hard. He suffers the same ebbs and flows that we suffer as humans. And that's what makes him so relatable. It's probably why he's one of the best Marvel characters because absolutely, he is not some super god. He is Don't a relatable talk about guy. Like that. I know he is a relatable character. Um, he is a funny character. We love everybody in his life too. We love Ant Man, MJ, and Gwen Stacy. All these side characters that are we just love them more than other series. And you know, Chris, that leads me right into we got to talk about his superpowers while we're here before we move on to his MCU right. because. I feel like his superpowers are sometimes misunderstood by people who maybe aren't into him as much. They just know he swings around and can climb and things like that. It's much more than that. In a way, he's one of the most powerful superheroes in the early 60s onward. Some of the stuff is not fully realized in the films because it can't be in a weird way. But let's just talk about the spider sense alone, how powerful it is. It's powerful on an individual level, and it's powerful on a with comics things are kind of fudged a little bit right. to fit stories can be as powerful or as unneeded as Absolutely. the story demands. Well, and it's, it's Neo esque where it's like, he is oh, literally saying he's seeing the matrix. Yeah. Huh? He's seeing the matrix. He's seeing things before they happen. Very Jedi, like all of his strength and his crawling and everything and his genius with his creations, like his web slingers, which is his right. creation. All that aside, his true superpower is, his spider sense. And it's cool how they showed him different things. Sure. And it is only limited by whatever creator is working with him. Sure. The creativity they're bringing to the table. It's only limited by that. But he has more than even Captain America level super strength, which is wild times, you know, from certain comic book runs. Like, sure. I mean, he still struggles in the sense of it's like you or I doing a physical workout, maybe, you know, bench pressing or deadlifting or whatever. But for him, it's just something massive, right? He still has put effort into it. It's not Superman, right? Right. But it is still 
incredible, his strength. And that's half the reason why it's so interesting. His spider sense paired with his super strength, paired with his inventions like his webs, the combo is interesting. Saving people's lives. The term was coined your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. That's his main thing. For a reason. He was a local New York superhero. He wasn't joining big teams. He wasn't leaving New York very often. He sure. was a now that has changed in the recent past. He became an international hero, yep. leaving New York to Miles Morales, the next Spider-Man. Sure. Which is so cool. So cool. But passing the torch. He's just so relatable, so lovable. And I love him too, Chris, because his superpowers, he gets beat up a lot. He's not the strongest of fighters, but he is so ingenious. Also, you're right. His main goal is to save people, to protect right. people. It's not to shoot a thunderbolt or something at someone or, you know, shoot laser eyes like someone like Superman or something to defeat his enemy. He's going to find ingenious ways to outplay them, outthink them, and save lives in the process. And all while being snarky the whole time, which is why I love him so much. Constantly. Constantly mocking his enemies, trying to get them to show their weaknesses with their anger and their, you know, well, their it's hubris. funny because it's not just limited to that. No. Other heroes I know. tend to not like him because he's so mouthy. Yeah, and it's something we've seen in the films. So let's move on to that very thing, the films. And I say the films, Chris, because he's fairly new to the MCU, but I got to talk real briefly about Spider-Man being real prominent in films way before the MCU. Uh-oh. He's one of the few heroes that we can actually talk about this because we couldn't do this with Cap. I prefer not to talk we, about these movies. We couldn't do this with Iron Man. We couldn't do this with several other heroes because they didn't have a place in culture where this was even possible in the early 2000s or something. Right. Starting with Sam Raimi's trilogy, we have the Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. And this is literally what paved the way for all superhero movies in modern day, how successful these were, how much people enjoyed these. And, you know, this was Tobey Maguire playing Spider-Man. Right. And, you know, of course, Kirsten Dunst playing Mary Jane. These paved the way not only for the MCU, but just it reignited Spider-Man fame. Like we talked about, he was pretty huge in the 90s in culture, and he got huge again in the 2000s from all this. It's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy to think about. And then, of course, shortly after these, every half decade or decade or so, they bring out a new To keep the Spider-Man license going. Keep but that license. they would always give us the origin story again. It's like Batman. Every time. It was, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm so sick of seeing his parents die. Yeah. Uh, it always happens. So we got the Amazing Spider-Man series, which was only two films. They did not finish this. And that was Andrew Garfield, who I'm a big fan of. I think he's a pretty phenomenal character actor. He did a really good job, though him and Toby both just a little too old, Chris. Uh, Toby especially. Toby's age showed right. more in those films. They really, Andrew, they can kind of de-age him. They really didn't capture the essence of Spider-Man in those films. They captured the... Kind of the vein, like the, vanity, the main story. The, yeah, they captured the, the surface. You know, this is not a film review podcast, but like there's pros and cons to every Spider-Man movie that's ever existed, of course, including the new MCU ones. And it's just tough because we would love to say, take this from this one, take this from this one, take Willem Dafoe playing the Green Goblin from this one. So, you know that what I mean? That was good. Like, You're right. <laughs> you're like, that's good. As Norman Osborn, like take all this and put it together, but we don't have that. That's not the world we live in. You know, it's cool to see the Sandman and all this stuff. That was Spider-Man pre the Disney MCU acquiring of Spider-Man. Then we got right. Disney finally getting Spider-Man. Doing him properly. Yeah, well, after the MCU was far underway chris his first actual appearance for audiences was captain america civil war this is where tom holland spider-man first came out what's funny is they've kind of retconned this since yeah and they've kind of made him mentioned in ant-man and also directly retconning having him be the little boy in iron man 2 which is the appropriate amount of years that passed to civil war because Keep in mind, the MCU is actually on our world's timeline of years. Right. So when I say the little boy, they've reckoned it now, Chris, that he was the little boy, tried to stop the drones from Mickey Rourke's character in Iron Man 2. He puts his hand up. He's got the Iron Man helmet on because Tony signed it earlier that day. Tony saves him and says, good job, kid. And, you know, this is funny because this is kind of the basis of the relationship going forward. Pretty ingenious retconning. Very smart. Because, you know, that was little... 11-year-old, and now he's 15, right. 16, like he's supposed to be, really in the initial origins of Spider-Man. So right. now we're in Civil War where he joins 
Iron Man's side, which was a cool twist. Oh my gosh, in the fight, he did so good in the <laughs> fight scenes. They were so well choreographed and plotted and shot. It's true. So cool. Catching Cap's shield was his iconic And seeing that for the first time yeah, and to the world. seeing Spider-Man on the big screen under the Marvel umbrella yeah. was just, and, and having that be his first shot was so cool. I'm still uncertain how I feel about the CGI squinty eyes. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. I just really love the, the static eyes of the costume rather than, you know, sure. something like an apparatus. Of course, right after that, we get Spider-Man Homecoming, which was his real introduction. Right. We don't get the origin story, which is good. Thank God. Because we've all seen it. We all know it. But we do get some interesting interactions, Chris, of things you touched on in the 60s. We get his relatability as an actual teen. Not an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, an actual teen. Not a 33-year-old acting like a 17-year-old. Trying to get a date for the prom of a girl who's a similar age. Trying to be a superhero and learn how to be a superhero. Because in this, he doesn't fully know how to be Spider-Man yet, which is truly how it is early on. And I love that. And Tony is his mentor. And I think it's great. It's also a passing of the torch because I'm assuming that Spider-Man is going to be the driving force in the next run of sure. Marvel movies. Him and Captain Marvel and some right. of these newer characters. And I, it's so very much looking forward to seeing where they go with this, how they can top themselves, how they can build these new legends in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's quite a task they have ahead of them because Captain America, Iron Man did a real good job. Yeah, so of course, Chris, we immediately have Infinity War and Endgame. Right. He's featured in both, more prominently in Infinity War for obvious reasons. He is a major part in this film, too, where it's him and Tony's father-son relationship. He Tony tells him to go home, even puts a mark suit on him, makes him fly back, and right. Peter finds a way to get on the ship and go into space. Tom Holland's Peter is probably the most screen accurate we've ever seen, ever, on anything. I love it. He's the right age. He is going through the throes of being a teenager, like we talked about. He's going through the throes of doing what's right um, by also maintaining his secret identity. And I love this relationship with him and Iron Man where they've expanded on this in the MCU. It's so fun. It's it's really cool. uh, Peter being an orphan, his uncle, who is his surrogate father, being killed in front of him. It just makes sense. It's good stuff. And now Tony being dead, it's a new arc for them to conquer in Spider-Man's story. And, you know, of course, he comes back in the end at Endgame and fights. And he's one of the prominent characters keeping the, the gauntlet away from Thanos, which is great because that's what he does. Once again, Chris, he doesn't fight. He keeps the things away from people. Does what he has to he do. He saves people. He uses his head. Yeah. He's, <laughs> his acrobatics. He's out here trying to outthink, outspeed, outquick. He's never going to win in a straight fight. Not with these kind of characters. No, no, no. So after that, of course, we have him featured in Spider-Man Far From Home. And they've already announced they're doing another Spider-Man film, untitled right now. So Spider-Man MCU 3 is what we're going to title it, um, in the future. But, you know, of course, in Far From Home, it's his first time leaving New York. So he's in a different setting. He's in London. And he is in contact with Mysterio. And the way the MCU encounters takes Mysterio and uses Jake Gyllenhaal, who is a great fit, in my opinion, is great. I just, if you haven't seen it, it's still fairly new. Go see it. I haven't. Yeah, you need to see it, Chris. I actually enjoyed it more than Spider-Man Homecoming. Didn't know I would or think I would. I did like the modern approach to Vulture and Homecoming. It was really cool to see Mysterio and their different take on Mysterio. But more importantly, Spider-Man and MJ's relationship grows and also we have spider-man interacting with fury more because now fury's recognizing tony's gone Mm -hmm. and that not only does he need to get spider-man onto his team but kind of him and happy who's john favreau's character need to take adult roles in his life of just guiding him also keeping him on the superhero path because in this movie he actually does take a step back from the superhero stuff and tries to just be a kid because he's Starting to get a little uh, burnt out, which is an interesting well, take. You know, too. I'll try and watch it this weekend. I'll report. I'll report back next oh, episode. Man. Mysterio, I cannot handle him being in this game, Chris. I, you know, he's going to be on some be. sort of smoke. He will be. Yeah, you know, he's going to be on some sort of like smoke, like Modok is, but now, maybe even more. What if they introduce Mysterio with Old Man Logan? Whoa, <laughs> you're doing some deep cuts now. That's I like deep this. cuts. I'm sorry, I take it all back. So, Chris, finishing out this film chronological timeline. Are there any recommendations you or I may have in the way of Spider-Man 
I'll knock out a quick three here. Into the Spider-Verse, Return to the Spider-Verse. The Superior Spider-Man, of course, is where Doc Ock inhabits Peter's body. Wow. It's wild. Wow. Sounds stupid. It's actually, actually super great. It's so weird sometimes when these take a turn like that. Yeah. Really anything Dan Slott wrote during his yeah. lengthy Spider-Man run, totally worth the read. Chris, from time to time when people ask me if they would just want to get into Spider-Man and learn his story, I do recommend the 2000s Ultimate series because the twists it takes, like you said, are minimal. They're the still major story beats, as in Gwen Stacy being killed. Right. This time it's by Carnage. These sort of things that happened still crucial to the original 60s, 70s, 80s Spider-Man, but it's retold in a modern format, modern art. It's a good thing to check out. Also, I echo everything you said about Spider-Verse, Gwen Stacy, anything with Miles coming up in the future. Of course, we're talking about Peter today, but once you're in Spider-Man, you're in. Like, If you enjoy Peter, you're going to enjoy all this Gwen Stacy, Miles stuff. I cannot just explain how good the Spider-Verse stuff is. And, you know, also the Spider-Verse being a major animated film in the current so film timeline, too. by far the best Spider-Man film, in my opinion. And I don't think that's a I will hard thing that. to contend with at all. I think it's a phenomenal film without Spider-Man. And you add so much to the Spider-Man lore to it. And it's just so good. If you haven't seen it, see it. It's, it's on its own separate timeline. But what's so cool about that Spider-Verse one, Chris, is it kind of alludes to all the Spider-Man films that came to it prior, including it the 2000s it and does. the MCU. And, you know, because Peter's older. Even, like, even the Spider-Man video games. So good. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Chris. I still haven't played that, and I'm very sad about it, that PlayStation 1. So those are our recommendations. Maybe check out the Spider-Man PlayStation video game, the newest one, which is phenomenal. Spider-Verse, of course, and then read some of these comics because there's so much good stuff. Please do, and let us know when you do, because we're interested. Today's strategy, his name is Spider-Man. His alter ego is Peter Parker. Let's talk about his healthy side first, Chris. Five stamina. He's a long speed. Love it. Height two, threat four. His defense is this. Three physical, three energy, three mystic. Exactly the same on the injured side. Threes. Three threes. And on the injured side, he's the same health, same stats, same defenses. So anything stick out to you right off the bat, Chris? He is. Five stam is a little low. It is. The long speed, though. Not too low, though. You know, to quote one of my... favorite shows of all time he is the windy man (laughs) the long mover you've said this before yes (laughs) it keeps coming up the irony is last episode we did crossbones and he was the short movement which was now we're doing the long boy now we're doing long which is very notable our first long on the show chris we've talked about so he's already standing out for that purpose alone and he has average defense on all three of his defenses so he doesn't have any like standouts or weaknesses on defense i find that really interesting too a lot of these characters have swung one way chris heavily crossbones last episode insane physical lower than average energy and mystic so spider-man being across the board is nice but let's just get into his attacks because this is all gonna make more sense so let's start with his zero power cost strike it is range two strength five after this attack is resolved, the character gains one power for each damage dealt. That's right. And this is a physical attack, Chris. So this is the standard strike where you deal damage. The damage that you deal equals the amount of power you get. This is not like those other characters we talked about, like Ultron or Carol, where if they don't even have to deal damage. They just get the guaranteed one power. This is that ceiling we talked about. If you, right. get, if you get a good roll, you're going to get more power. Standard. His next attack is impact webbing. It is physical as well. Range four, four strength, zero power cost. After this attack is resolved, this character gains one power. There's your floor. There it is. So this one, he's guaranteed to get a power. And this one has a wild, the wildest push. If the target character is size two or less before damage is dealt, this character may push it away short. So this is kind of Spider-Man's control. Chris, we talked about. It's a little lower strength than the regular strike, but twice the range. It's range four instead of two because this is webbing and he gets a little push. So there's a little tiny objective control thing. Now, keep in mind that push is not throw. Push will not be dealing any damage if if, uh, the character being pushed collides into anything else. But what a great thing is objective control at range. That is something that we have not seen yet. Yeah. I'm interested in that. Next attack is going to be an energy attack. 
It is called Taser Webs. It is range three, strength six, hmm. power cost of two. Strength six is pretty high for Spider-Man. That's right. This is highest. Now, if this attack deals one damage or more after it is resolved, the target character gains the stun special condition. Chris, stun reads like this. If an effect would cause the character to gain more than one power, it only gains one power instead. I'm glad I mentioned this, Chris, because I think earlier on in our show, we maybe said stun when we meant stagger. Similar words, similar condition types, not the same condition type at all. Clearly in other games, stun is more right. of the stagger condition. Right. In this game, stun means you can only gain one power. So this is a way to neuter someone's power. Stagger is the ability that actually takes away your actions. Spider-Man, once again, he is stunning people, letting them not gain more, more than one power. That's huge for a heavy hitter, though, Chris. It's big. Not getting any power to do their big superpowers. Think about that on Hulk. Oh, so good. You want to taser webs first. So if you're going right. to taser webs and then you're going to strike or something afterwards or impact webbing or whatever, do it in that order because they will not get extra power if you deal right. a bunch of damage to them. But we got to move on to Peter's superpowers because really this is the meat and potatoes of this character, Chris. Now, his first superpower is called Webline. It is an active superpower. It has a power cost of two and it reads like this. Push an enemy character within range four towards this character short. A character can be pushed by this superpower only once per turn. Super interesting. I haven't figured this one out yet, Chris, because so, we haven't played enough games and enough objectives, I feel like. But this is the Spider-Man move where he pulls the enemy in his so range. So here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. You pull with your web line to shoot your taser webs. Yeah, definitely. Also, I'm thinking... You've got to think about this as a way they made a mechanic where you can do a reverse push off of an objective or something. Right. It's guaranteed. This is a free superpower. It doesn't take an action to do this on your turn. It just happens if you can pay the power cost. So you don't do it once per turn, Chris, but you can pull somebody off an, an objective. To a certain character. Right. You can do this once to every enemy combatant on the board. That's right. Which is kind of insane. The part that scares me is it's towards him. So I haven't actually done this in our games yet. We haven't played a ton of Spider-Man in our games because he hasn't been in every game, but this is the ability I've used the least. I want to use it more. The problem with this is you have to know the objectives like the back of your hands. Oh yeah. And we're still getting there. Yeah. Yeah. You have to also know your map and your terrain because you kind of want to get him in a spot where this is helpful. Um, what's really cool about this, Chris, is you could potentially do this from the top of a building. That's exactly what I was thinking. The way line of sight is in this game, it's just giant cones, like lasers going up from the characters. This is the way you have to think about it. So he can just pull, he's me on top of a building and pull them towards the building off an objective or pull them into combat with the Hulk or something. There's some great things that can happen here. It is so Spider-Man. It's just one of the tougher ones to use because it has to be towards you. So you have to be in the right position. Right. But it is range four. His next ability, Chris, is an active superpower again called Webapults. Costs three power. Choose an interactive terrain feature or an enemy character both size or two or less in within range three, throw it short. This superpower can be used only once per turn. Are you throwing it short from the location of that object? Or are you throwing it short from Spider-Man from Spider-Man? Okay. You got to think about what's around him. What's cool about this is there could be something on top of the building. There could be something way behind him, right? Absolutely. A car way behind him and he slams it right in someone in front of him. Once again, these require a lot of work compared to some of the other abilities of characters in the game. This crossbones, real straightforward, right? We talked about just right. get that movement down, get overpower down. This is different. This is going to depend on the map you're playing on. This is going to depend on where you position him and where he starts turn zero. Very situational. Let's talk about his next power. Love this it. isn't an innate power. This is his spider sense, the power you love so much, Jesse. I love it so much. Now, when this character is defending against a physical or energy attack, or making a dodge roll. Mm. That'll be a dodge roll from uh, any interactive terrain piece or, character. or other character being thrown at him. Peter may re-roll two of his defense or dodge dice. Whew. That is innate. That is no cost. This is wild stuff, Chris. So he's getting two defense re-rolls every time he rolls his dice. This makes his three dice less scary that they're not four or five, right? Right. This is kind of better than them being four or five because you can kind of guarantee some rolls. Now, of course, if somebody rolls a huge attack at you and it's just a bunch of hits, 
he's only rolling three dice, period, right? So he, he can only roll a maximum of three dodges. Now, what's cool about this, though, Chris, is when you dodge terrain, you roll your physical. So he gets rerolls on this terrain, too. So, like, notably, it makes him one of the best characters to defend against terrain just because it's built in better defense. It's interesting. I really like it. It mitigates, you know, his defense. It's very thematic. And, uh, you know, once again, he's controlling the battlefield. He's staying alive, not doing a ton of damage, but he's staying alive. He's stunning people. He's throwing terrain and he's dodging stuff. Also, I just thought of this interaction with Baron Zemo's strategic genius. Oh, let's go. Genius. That means double rerolls on Spider-Man's defense. That's gross. So, because the way this game works is like, there's no, there's no rerolling a dice and it being dead forever from a reroll. As long as right. the effects can work in line and not break rules. You can re-roll the dice any number of times as long as it makes sense, unless they're a critical failure. You can never re-roll right. critical failures. So, this is cool. His last ability, Chris, is another innate ability called Wall Crawler. Our first instance of Wall Crawler on this show, and it's going to come up again. And what's important about Wall Crawler, Chris, I thought about this for a long time. It perplexed me. It's just a thematic name for Fly. Basically, if you understand fly in this game where you just essentially use your full movement, move wherever you want on any type of terrain or building, that's exactly how wall crawler works. He can crawl up those walls. He can crawl up all that terrain. It's insane, though, because he's long. It's very nice. So in a way, you can quote me on this because this is they're the exact same ability, wall crawler and fly. He's the best flyer currently in the game because he has the longest movement of any flyer, a flyer or wall crawler. So. When Iron Man and Ultron and, and Captain Marvel and eventually Doc Ock, who's a wall crawler as well, their movement is not this high. Right. So he has the highest movement of any of the wall crawler or flyers. I'm excited to see how they do this in the future. I assume Venom will have it, which would be great. Oh, yeah. And some cool things like that. But it's just don't get confused. It's exactly the same as fly. So if you understand fly, you understand this. And that means Spider-Man goes wherever he wants <laughs> He does. With long range. Where he goes, he is going to be trying to control the battlefield. Which is great. Now, uh, Jesse, do you have any other thoughts about how to use Spider-Man effectively? Well, the final thought I have, Chris, and the standout here, the thing that scares people, and I understand it, he has a threat of four. So he fits in less teams as of right now because there's a lot of threes in the game. There's one two with Natasha. There will be more twos. There will be more twos. So... The question people pose, and don't be scared with Spider-Man, but the pe- question people pose is, why would I choose Spider-Man, Chris, over a Captain Marvel or a Ultron or someone like a Red Skull or Captain America? I think it depends on your needs. I right. think if you've already got a heavy hitter right, and you need a supporting member to control the battlefield around them, yeah, there's not many better choices than Spider-Man. Just like we said last week, some people have gotten crossbones wrong. I think some people have gotten Spider-Man wrong, saying he's overcosted. You got to make him work. You got to practice him. I'm not right. gonna. I will be fair there. He's not just gonna be equal threat for right out the gates to someone like Captain Marvel or Ultron or right. Captain America, where you don't really know what you're doing as much, and they do well. He has lower health than all those characters. He he hits less hard than all those characters. He does. You got to use him right. But you know what? You're gonna use him right for an objective runner, a person who controls the battlefield, and that's so thematic. If you're rolling well, he can control the enemy's economy on yeah. top of that. Do they want to waste attacks on him? Do they want to waste an action shaking off the stun that they acquired from the Ooh, taser web? I love that. And, you know, keep in mind, too, Spider-Man's got a lot of throws. So he might not be high damage, but what I've always said on our show, Chris, and I'll keep saying is throws are guaranteed hits. And that's so nice when someone like me who rolls bad attack dice usually I like that. That is the oh, terrain. Yeah. It's the terrain plus one guaranteed hits. So Spider-Man's got some guaranteed hits that people have to dodge. That's nice. So if you see someone and their defense is two or three and you're throwing a size two terrain with Spider-Man, that's three guaranteed hits, right? Cause it's the size two plus one. Well, if their defense is two or three, they're probably going to take a hit from that. at least, at least a hit. So there's just interesting things to think about with him. So my last thing to say is just his threat is high. But that's what's great about this game, Chris. When you come to a tournament or you play someone across the table, you know, other than just for fun, like you're going to bring 10 models. Right. He's probably not going to come up every single time. That's okay. 
You know what I mean? Okay. You're going to see what the objective is and say, is Spider-Man good for this objective? If it's a resounding yes, then he comes in. If not, if you name, it's more of a fighting objective, maybe not take him. You've got some options. He just requires a little bit more thought, and he's probably the toughest character that's come out of the game so far to play. Which means we have to play more with him. Can't wait. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Catch our streams of Marvel Crisis Protocol and us playing Spider-Man at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. Catch our streams of Star Wars Legion at twitch.tv slash the Canon Cantina. Follow the show on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast, Instagram at Fury's Finest, and Facebook.com slash Fury's Finest. Email us at furiesfinest at gmail.com and leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. We will read these on future mailbag episodes. And once again, guys, all these links to all of our social media can be found in the show notes. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And please remember to subscribe, rate, and review and help spread the word about our show. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at J-E-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Also, check out my Star Wars show, The Canon Cantina. There's a lot going on in Star Wars right now. A lot. Uh, Rise of Skywalker is about to come out. Mandalorian's well underway. New Star Wars video games. It's insane. At The Canon Cantina. And you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett. C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. Underoos! Nice job, kid. Thanks. Well, I could have stuck the landing a little better. It's just a new suit. Wait, it's nothing, Mr. Stark. It's it's perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we don't really it's... need to start a conversation. Okay. Cap, Captain. Big fan of Spider-Man. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Just. Hey, everyone. Good job. <laughs>